Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Today, we are talking about PropTech. But before we do that, we're going to dive into a review as a thank you for all of you who leave us reviews and an especially big thank you for making us the number one real estate podcast in Canada. So this comes from My Name Slick, which is an interesting... <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the, the, um, the names, the fake names are just as much fun as the... the uh, they really are. The, the creative fake themselves. names are awesome. So... Five stars, amazing podcast. Then it says in brackets, more than five stars. And it says, you guys run probably the best podcast on the planet. And I mean that as I listen to various top podcasts, but yours really stands tall. Well, my name's Slick. Thank you very much. I really appreciate Slick. that. I honestly do. Slick review there too. I love it. Um, okay. Yeah, guys, you know, we love reviews. We'll read them on the show. The funnier the name, the, the better. Um, but let's get into today's episode because as Dan said, we're talking about prop tech property technology and it's been a while since we've done an episode on this sector of the business yeah um before we start it's funny that that um, reviewer's name is my name slick and you sound like your name is sick <laughs> thank you for pointing that out yeah you know what i am uh i've never understood this term data maybe you can clarify for me i'm, I'm a little under the weather uh, at the moment, aren't we always under the weather? Like it's just <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Above us. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, without you know, I appreciate trying your to figure out to make dedication, content. baby. That dedication. booming radio voice is suffering yeah. though, so I I really have to hold the show here, which sucks. Please, I don't have that booming radio voice. So okay, <laughs> it has been almost a full year since we did an episode on this topic, which is prop tech. And our last one was episode 47, which is billions in funding for Canadian prop tech is changing everything. And that was December 20th of last year. So literally like almost to the date because this will be out December 15th. So first and foremost, let's start with a shout out to the awesome organization that puts this report together. They're called the Prop Tech Collective. Uh, volunteer-run collective of real estate professionals, technologists, city builders, and entrepreneurs who believe technological innovation can change the built world for the better. And you know what? I agree with them on that. And Dan, you and I are lucky enough to have crossed paths and done some business and to have you know met with a lot of these founders that are in this report. Um, so, Without further ado, let's dive into the report here. We're going to be looking at a few things, the types of technology, where they were funded, how they were funded, uh, and what prop tech founders, venture capitalists who play a very important role in prop tech and anything tech, and of course, real estate leaders are saying about right now and the future of real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So they start off by with this page that says the status of PropTech in Canada. And they looked at 500 active PropTech startups in Canada, innovating within commercial, residential real estate, construction technology. And they found that 80% of PropTech companies are located in five hubs across Canada. So this is good for you if you're looking to potentially invest in real estate around technology companies. Um, Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary, Kitchener-Waterloo, and Toronto. 40% of these companies have been founded within the last five years. So they're all pretty fresh. 
And these companies have raised over $1.5 billion Canadian dollars in funding and investment since June of 2022. So they cover a one-year period in that, uh, in that report. Those are some pretty impressive numbers. I mean, 500 companies, $1.5 billion in funding. I, I love to see it for Canada. Um, yeah, I think um, the minimum raise now too, like if you want to be in the top 25, it's like 30, 30 million plus, which la- which has doubled since last year. So you would think like real estate markets contracting, capital markets might be contracting a little bit. You would think that that number would go down, but it's going up, which means that probably the output or quality of the, a lot of these prop tech startups in Canada are, is going up. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And, and there's so many of them and we're not going to get into the details on any specific one, but we do plan to reach out to a lot of them and maybe do some closer deep dives on some on some really interesting ones. So they have all the companies broken up into three main categories, construction, residential real estate and commercial real estate. And then they have subcategories within each one of them. So we're going to go through them within construction. The subcategories are design and planning, alternative and advanced materials, which include prefab, modular, 3D printing, project and financial management, digital sales platform for builders and developers, and field tools. Um, They also have field management software, safety and risk management, uh, marketplaces for jobs and communities. Now, it's a pretty well-rounded list, and it's awesome to see all the, like, the cool logos. I love a good, you know, tech logo uh, and all the names of these startup companies on the list. And what we'll do, Dan, is we'll we'll link the, uh, I think you have to you have to click it and download the report yourself, but we'll put a link to the, to the downloadable uh, hyperlink in the show notes here. Um, you know, it, it is cool to see, and I th- the reason I wanted to go through all of these subcategories, just to show you what a wide breadth of, um, uh, you know, marketplace there is for these companies to come in and disrupt between residential, commercial, and construction. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if you you go to sort of the next category, and this is where we start to see a lot of these things um, that start playing a little bit more of a role that would be interacted in with our audience, the real estate investor, um, on the residential side. So they have subcategories under residential real estate, which is, you know, like search platforms. So finding properties to purchase listings, marketplaces, marketing and sales tools and tools for, for agents or uh, realtors. Um, and then there's, you know, evaluation, a lot of cool stuff happening in the AI and automated valuation space, financing a property, um, alternative financing options, um, a lot of, a lot of, um, mortgage providers and mortgage brokers and lender technology, um, and then the next piece, and this is where a couple of um, companies that we've mentioned on the show and that we've used as well, um, transaction management, title and escrow, closing on a property, um, and then legal, like the lawyer side of things. Yeah, it's it's so cool because, you know, we've talked about this a lot, Dan, right? Like a lot of these sections of the industry are, I don't want to say archaic because they're not archaic, but like they're... If it ain't broke, don't fix it is, is kind of the mentality that real estate and construction have had. Very conservative industries for, for a lot of the portion. Um, so it's great to see that each little piece of this industry is laid out and there's and there's multiple companies trying to have a disruption um, within that section. So uh, let's round it out and look at Canadian real estate technology that's focused on the commercial markets and commercial real estate. Uh, the first category here, the first subcategory is finding a property, which includes viewing and imagery, uh, the valuation and finance, which includes 
equity financing platforms, property data and appraisal, lending technology and transaction management, and underwriting all major things in commercial real estate, and of course for the Canadian real estate investor. Uh, then managing a property, you're building automation softwares, property management, energy and sustainability, which are uh, big these days, and of course, tenant engagement and amenities. And then the last section, which is pretty cool here, is asset utilization, uh, which includes stuff like co-working and uh, office space, parking, EV, mobility, storage and logistics, hospitality, short-term rentals, uh, and then occupation and analytics. So you see there's a whole bunch of options here to to look at this and and add some of these into your tool belt. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is um, creating gre- greater efficiencies in your ability to be a real estate investor and um, using leveraging prop tech in, in all of its forms is um, is one of the ways that you can do that. So on the acquisition side, if you can buy better, you can analyze deals more quickly. You know, and we've talked um, about groups like Door Insight for for tools like that, right? Um, if you talk about property management, um, individual property management, using tools like Patter um, for things like that. Um, we have a lot of friends, obviously, on this list because um, they help solve problems for our audience. And we like, yeah. we like, we like directing our audience towards a lot of these things because in a lot of cases, the bang for your buck that you get for going with a lot of these prop techs is, is pretty valuable. Um, so I would encourage anybody checks this, this report out for sure. So before we, um, continue on that, let's talk about the location of where all of these businesses are. Cause it kind of fascinated me actually as well. Um, so you have 279 of the companies on this report located in Ontario. So that makes up 56% of the total. So greater than half of prop tech companies in Canada are located in Ontario. Then all the way over to the West Coast, Best Coast, we've got uh, 91 of them in British Columbia, which has produced some amazing uh, tech startups over the year. And that makes up 18%. And Dan, another friend of the show, Daniel Dubois of Key, that's where he's located. But I know they've got offices in both Toronto and Vancouver, so I'm not sure where that one would be located. A lot of them would have offices in probably Toronto, Vancouver, and and maybe Montreal as well. Yeah, Zolo would be a good example of a BC startup as well, I think. Another friend of the show there, yeah. Yeah. Um, 65 prop tech companies in Quebec, making up 13% of the total. 44 coming out of Alberta, making up 9%, but I bet you we see that one skyrocket over the next couple of years as Alberta becomes a really hot housing market. Well, and I also think um, you're just starting to see a lot of tech talent move there for cost of living as the workplace becomes decentralized, right? So For sure. Um, I think 46, if you go back to that 56 in, 56% in Ontario, 46% of the, the total um, in Canada is located in the GTA. So um, continuing across Canada, 12 prop techs in the prairies making up eight, sorry, 2% of the total. And then another 2% with another 12 in Atlantic Canada uh, for the total of 503 prop tech companies that were covered in this report. Yeah, so maybe we'll go through quickly the list of the next most funded um, prop techs, which is something that they cover sort of the, they monitor M&A activity and then also like how venture capital companies are getting into um, or buying into some of these 
these uh, prop tech businesses. So, yeah. Um, before we do that, though, Dan, maybe let's go through kind of the different funding stages uh, that that a prop tech or that a tech company would would go through. Um, so you've got uh, you've you've got something called a pre seed round. So a pre seed round is a pre institutional investment round, uh, which essentially just means, hey, we're looking for money uh, that either has no institutional investors or a very low amount, and and usually that round. Uh, settles for about 150,000. So that would I, be mostly, you know, friends and family kind of thing. Uh, the next round would be angel. We've heard this before, not the angels up in the sky, but the angels in boardrooms that are willing to give you money for your startup angel investors. Uh, an angel round is typically a small round designed to get a company off the ground. Investors in the angel round include individual angel investors so professional investors venture capitalists angel investing groups a few people that have you know a few high net worth individuals that love one specific sector and want to invest in that and then of course your friends and family probably appear in this round as well yeah um seed rounds are next that would be among the first rounds of funding a company would receive generally while the company is young and working to gain traction. These range between uh, 10000 to $2 million and typically comes after an angel round and before a company's Series A round. Um, series A and B are rounds of funding for earlier stage companies that are actually sort of operating um, and range on average between $1 million to, to $30 million. And I think that's kind of like post-revenue, like once they start earning uh, money. Um, so let's quickly go through this list here. Um, just uh, naming the businesses and then the total amount raised. Well, let's do the segment as well because I think this is a really cool part, right? Whether it's hospitality or logistics or materials. So, uh, Dan, you're, you're number one. So why don't you start us off here? Yeah, so we got Host Away, which is a hospitality um, company founded in 2015, and they raised $244 million. Jobber, a home improvement and maintenance company, comes in number two, founded in 2010. They raised $230 million Canadian. They're kind of later stage VC in their uh, funding rounds. Yeah, and I guess it's like for home service businesses, um, which is kind of cool. Um, next is GoBolt, which is storage and logistics. Uh, 2017 founded and they raised uh, $222 million. Nexi, which uh, is new materials, I'm assuming construction related, building material related, which is which is cool. A lot of innovation to be seen on that side of things over the coming years. Found in 2018, raised 204 million, and are currently in early stage VC um, in their uh, funding process here. Yeah, they're um, they're uh, in construction of like if you go on their website, the first heading say reinventing the way the world builds and there's a picture of a courtyard marriott hotel there on the nexi site um, we like the we like them hotels yeah yeah um so it's just like a modular construction system you can see like these like pre-built panels hanging from a crane there. very cool yeah, yeah super cool love to see it yeah um <clears throat> nesto is next on the list which we saw them speak at um the uh, fintech canada conference there and uh 196 million raise um, 2018 founded, and they're a digital broker and lead gen. But I think they're also doing B two B stuff on um on the mortgage side, so they're almost like a mortgage um service company mm-hmm. as well, tech or SaaS company for for the mortgage industry. Yeah, next on the list we've got Certain C E R T N, which is a tenant screening and payment company, uh, founded in 2016, raised 157 million, currently in Series B. 
And next up is Avidbot's property management, 144 million raise. Then we've got Decibel, uh, which is an energy management company and just classic tech company, D-C-B-E-L. Uh, love when they just get rid of the vowels. Like no that. vowels in the tech space. No, vowels are not cool. No, we have no, no room for that kind of stuff. Just <laughs> move fast and break vowels. Found in 2013. I like that's good. I like that. Found in 2013. Raised 127 million currently in Series B. Carbon Cure New Materials, 2007 founded, so later wow. stage for sure, yeah. Been around for a while. They've been Good through a market guys. cycle, yeah. 125 yeah. million uh, total raised. And they were, they're were they new on the list as well. Brainbox AI, Building Automation and IOT, uh, 2017, 99 million, late stage venture capital. Uh, next is um, Falk Built, um, not to be con- pr- uh, confused with my last name. Uh, <laughs> new materials and prefab. I like seeing a lot of investment in the prefab space. Um, there's a lot of I more mean, construction guys on this than before. It's um, so needed, right? I mean, yeah. to, to solve the housing crisis. Like, and that's what the cool thing about looking at this list is. It's like, okay, well, you know, hospitality with Hostaway being number one, like that's cool. That's that's really cool for sure. But then to look at, you know, there's a lot of new materials on here, property management, energy management. Um, I like to see that because I feel like that's really going to be a part in helping us solve uh, the housing crisis through new innovation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you go further down the list, you start seeing like a Noble, which is like an agent matching platform. Um, I think it was bought by one of the banks, I believe. Um, and then um, Unreserved, which is the uh, – I, th- I feel like that was – I think they came out of Australia or if they're, they're maybe they're the Ottawa one. I'm going to look it up. But they that's like the um, the platform for open bidding, right, which we've talked yeah. about a number of times on the show. Um, yeah, another cool one that looks here is, is Carbicrete. Uh, that's, again, a, a new material, so some some type of building material raised $39 million, and they're still young. They're still in, in Series A. Yeah, and you go further down, like uh, local logic. Like when we were doing the course, we were talking about using things like local logic, using Door Insight, using um, Enveronics is another great Canadian company. Um, Townfolio that, out of Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of these companies that Canadian sh- investors should be using to expedite their decision making process and, and make it more accurate, right? And then, yeah. okay, now, like, so you're if you're not using PropTech on your acquisition side, um, and we do have a couple of cool tools in collaboration with some of the people in this report. Um, that are coming out almost exclusively for our audience at the beginning, um, like almost uh, if you want to get into the, the beta testing side. If you're, if you're into prop tech, just give us a shout, honestly, because um, we can probably make some intros for you. And yeah, um, and yeah I think um, that, that piece, the, the research piece, like everybody knows I'm huge on research. So when you want to get into the micro side of things, there's so many good options that prop tech is putting out. Um, yeah, you know, to help us make more informed decisions as investors. Go ahead. It, it's it's funny. I was just gonna say, you know, I never, I I wasn't like an early. I hate to even admit this. I can't believe it, it must be the the Nyquil or Dayquil uh, doing the talking right now. But I wasn't an early adopter to 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 prop tech. You know, years ago when I got started, and a lot of these companies have been around for a long time. And I was just like, you know what, I can do real estate the old fashioned way. I don't. You know, just go buy a duplex and grind it out and hit the bank and do all the analysis yourself. But we're going into kind of a, a renaissance period of, of things changing so rapidly. And it's like, well, why wouldn't we use all these tools that are being developed and, and get them into our, our toolbox, which, you know, doesn't just contain a, a hammer and a screwdriver and a measuring tape anymore. It's got to contain 
uh, uh, you know, new materials and automation and better energy management and, you know, tech enabled brokers and banking and stuff like that. So, you know, if you're like me and you're like, ah, I don't, I don't need this kind of stuff. I'd, I'd urge you to, to rethink that because, uh, there's a lot of really useful stuff out here. Um, for instance, Patter, who, who we, who we have a newsletter with that goes out, uh, weekly, um, you know, they, they're, they're doing amazing things on the tenant screening side of things, which is a massive, uh, pain point for a lot of landlords. So a lot, lot of value to be had in, in all these prop tech companies. Yeah. Um, the prop tech report then covers what's happening in today's market, what factors are influencing the outlook for your company, innovation strategy or investment. So they ask a bunch of these questions, what prop tech founders are saying, and we're going to do a similar report uh, like this from what the real estate industry is saying from um, PwC and ULI's emerging trends report. Um, but it's basically a survey. So, and they summarize it in a couple of different things. So um, prop tech founders are saying we're seeing a reversion to business fundamentals. So there's been a notable shift in the way that founders are thinking about revenue models, almost like interest rates aren't going down for 40 years straight again. Um, <laughs> ensuring the business has a positive unit economics and a path to profitability is a necessity even at the early stages. So you can no longer start a money losing business and get funded apparently. The days of Uber are over? Is that the ways of WeWork are done? Come yeah. on. Um, longer fundraising and sales cycles as a result of that in this market, founders are less sensitive to valuation instead focus on finding true partners that will help them grow the business. So their sales cycles on the B2B side are or have been slower. And some prop tech uh, startups are adjusting strategies like selling into stronger performing sectors within the real estate or refining their core customer personas. And finally, talent is top of mind. And this is a big one. We and we reported on this a while back about CBRE did a report about tech talent globally. Um, and in, in prop tech, it's especially important to understand the nuances of the industry and have the ability to build relationships, especially in a country like Canada where we're so dependent on real estate um, and we have a ton of exposure to tech. So it's a top priority for founders to find and retain individuals that get this. And, and you know, often you get one or the other, not both, right? Like it's so hard to find. There's so many people I know in the tech space. Like it, no lie, like we get calls from guys in the prop tech space, gals in the prop tech space because of the podcast and this platform asking all the time about like, you know, what what's going on, you know, promotional opportunities, anything, you know, any value they can create for the audience, whatever it is. And, some of them don't understand real estate the way that they ought to as a prop tech. And, and then there are other folks like, you know, myself would be a great example. I would love to start a prop tech company, but I don't understand technology. And so finding that, <laughs> finding that, uh, that, that middle ground is so, so, so key. Right. And some people have just really, really done a good job at it. Really done a good job at it. There's a couple operators in this, in this space that I really, really admire and respect. So anyway, what are the real estate leaders in the space saying, Nick? Yeah, great question. And, and, you know, going back to talent being top of mind, I think it's such a collaborative industry that we need to be in, right? We need the top tech talent to be talking to the top real estate leaders, the top thought leaders, um, and eventually the the top venture capitalists, which is the next uh, people that, that weigh in on, on this situation now and what they're seeing in the future. Because without that collaboration, you know, consider this your power team, right? Power teams, we talk about power teams in real estate, but power teams exist in any and all businesses. Um, so this is what the real estate leaders are saying now. Uh, push and pull from market conditions. The macroeconomic climate is a motivator and a deterrent to invest in new technology. 
It can make the processes better, faster, and more accurate, but it's challenging to give mind share or budget to these initiatives. It's a delicate balance that organizations are grappling with. So it's not easy. It's complicated out there. Now, they also talk about navigating asset class complexity. Real estate is fragmented by many things, location, asset type, property characteristics, and more. If you've listened listened to the show for a while, you know that real estate is very simple, but very different at the same time. And, And that makes, and the differences make it complicated. So this impacts the effectiveness of data and technology solutions. And we talk about this all the time in Canada, right? It's hard to collect data in certain markets and certain markets just don't produce enough data to actually make um, that data worthwhile. So there's rarely a silver bullet, though uh, thoughtful road mapping is necessary before rushing into a solution. Increasing integrations between software is helping with this issue. Now, I love that. You can't, I don't think there's a one size fits all here, right? Like I'm not going to introduce a new building technology or a new AI component to my underwriting and then ignore everything else. I think there needs to be a collaborative effort between a lot of these prop tech founders and the real estate thought leaders to figure out the best way forward. And that kind of brings me to the last point here is building a culture of innovation. The willingness to innovate has come from the top. Change management is at the heart of the success of technology adoption. So ensuring that teams are agile, purpose-driven, and creative is absolutely critical. And then we'll, I guess we'll move on to... um... Yeah, what are the what are the venture capitalists saying? They and you know those guys play a pretty big role in a lot of this stuff. Only job they get should just be outright in owning that they're capitalists. Um, (laughs) Cyclical markets uh, is is a big theme. So the real estate industry is slow, and obviously we've been talking about market cycles for a while. So it's nice to see it's validated by the capitalists themselves, Um, (laughs) and they've been. Yeah, and so you know, rising interest rates, venture capital is a long-term business. So they mentioned that recognizing companies and teams that can weather the cycles and downturns is key, because downturns create the opportunity for reasonably priced deals with better underlying fundamentals. Damn, if only somebody told me that on the Canadian Real Estate Investor podcast a year ago. <laughs> um, cha- there's a changing um, world of capital allocators. So the LP Limited Partner Landscape for Prop Tech Funds is evolving. So strategics and pension funds are still investing in private capital. There's been a general pullback in commitments, they acknowledge. So creativity and building relationships for the future is more important than ever right now. And um, they go on to talk about determining exit paths. So PropTech is still in its early innings. And there isn't a long list of large exit points uh, or exits to point at. So acquirers in the space are, are, are so far have been mainly strategics. So groups that are getting on without really thinking about an exit and, and basing their, um, you know, their strategy on a, on a comparable exit valuation. There have been some large private equity deals um, and those are expected to increase as the market matures. So consolidation is starting in many areas and, and this will likely continue. And there's some other, there's some interesting ones that they listed in there. Um, some consolidations that were taking taking place and M&As that were taking place that I found kind of fascinating um, in the report, I think on page 16 there. So Ratio City, who um, we, um, we're friends with uh, some folks there um, just through the network and um, 
there's an M&A there between Ratio City and Esri. They um, acknowledge Houseful, previously Ojo Home, which my, some people might have heard of, and RBC. RBC just seems to be scooping up all these things, eh? So I was like a residential real estate platform. I'm assuming they're using it almost like as a uh, lead inbounding. I'm surprised they didn't um, acknowledge the uh, wealth, uh, or sorry, Quest Wealth and uh, Quest Mortgage and um, Zolo one on here, but maybe that was the year prior. And um, and then uh, YooHoo and Happy Co here, which is multifamily property management. Um, Happy Co out of the U.S., but um, RBC is funny, eh? Like, because they they have owner as well, which we've used a number of times. How many bank accounts have we set up with RBC because we use owner? Yeah, and and that's O W N R again. No vowels on that one. Uh, o W N R. There, if you want to, they should be sponsoring the show because we're about to give them a free shout out. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. If you want to set up a corporation to go into business with a guy that you DM'd a couple of years ago, like Dan and I have, or uh, to buy real estate with a family member or to hold it in the corp or whatever, um, maybe you're starting a dog walking business. I don't know, but owner is literally the best, easiest, and fastest way to do it. And you get a you get a pretty good treatment from RBC because RBC bought them a few years ago. Yeah. I'm sending this to owner afterwards. Yeah, well, we we they put us on their website, eh? Like, on, yeah, because we said and they so they were interested in hearing our story, and then I think, I think we pitched them for some ads too. Um, but they should. I was like, you guys have no better target market than a bunch of realtor real estate investors who who need literally need to set up a corp every time they buy a property. Like, and now this is embedded in this episode. If you're listening, owner, do the right thing. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. So that's so we just covered what's happening now from the real estate thought leaders, the prop tech founders, and the venture capitalists. What Dan and I were just talking about—that is what they are saying now. But what's next? What does the future hold? Right? I mean, we are in very volatile times. Things are changing at a very rapid pace. So. These were the four key trends that came through uh, the conversations between PropTech founders, real estate leaders, and VC investors. The first one is decarbonization, which is the collective pursuit for sustainable value creation and a resilient future. The next one, uh, you might have heard this on the show before, affordability, new approaches to improve housing security for Canadians. That is a welcome one, I'm sure. Uh, the next one, integration and consolidation, a focus on creating holistic platforms and the M&A landscape. And then the third one, I don't really understand this, I-I-I? Yeah, something like that. That's, what they say. <laughs> That's a, um, that AI. thing they at the soccer games. I-I-I! It's a, sorry, horrible joke there. I can never, when, we're, when we make jokes, I can never tell if anyone's like actually laughing because it's just you and me looking at each other. Um, Anyways, that's AI, 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 uh, leveraging AI to streamline processes and use data effectively. And yes, I read it three times because they have it three times in the report. I'm not sure if they're trying to replace location, location, location with AI, AI, AI. Um, but hey, we'll we'll see. So Dan, uh, why don't you start us off here? Let's do a deeper dive on each one of these four categories and see what the VCs, real estate thought leaders, and prop tech founders are saying about these four emerging trends. Yeah. So um, the prop tech, uh, when you look at the four categories, prop tech founders are saying that they're pioneering efforts, innovate, uh, innovating across the entire real estate value chain. Um, so a few key areas were real-time risk mitigation, managing properties through climate 
change, taking prompt action to plan ahead for of potential issues. And this is under the heading of decarbonization, looking at legacy data for more customized offerings. So um, looking at the, and, and you see a lot of this in MLI select, right? Like when I look mm-hmm. and we're going to hear this on, on the social side, when we talk about ESG as well, but like MLI select is basically like you getting rewarded with better debt for hitting ESG targets, right? So the S being affordability and, and that's, that, that is listed later in this report if we get to it. Cause I know we're getting um, longer with this episode now, but um, looking at, so when, when you're doing an MLI select upgrade, on a retrofit, you just have to um, make sure that the building performs a certain amount better than it did last year. I think it, there's a certain percentage improvement. I can't remember exactly what it is. I want to say 40%, but I also don't want to be wrong. So um, <laughs> cut that le- out. <laughs> yeah, leveraging that legacy data for more customized offerings and, and insights for building operations. I mean, so there's room, I would say, in the technology space to, to help not just MLI Select being obviously the, the most um, – usable example in Canadian real estate right now because a lot of uh, investors and multifamily owners are, are using that in Canada. Um, but for to, to measure how you're improving the the um, environmental efficiency and decarbonization of your building because that will be required for you to, to maximize your point scoring on um, on an MLI select. And actually, you know what's awesome? You know, I was talking to Jaden today. Big shout out to Jaden. The guy's been listening to us probably from the first episode. They reached out first. I think they were the first guys to reach like out to us. The first guys we like, had a medium like, take, with. Yeah, yeah. Like, take a, take, let's go for lunch. Like, you guys are talking about everything that we've been talking about. And and um, so we're going to have him on the show in the new year. But he's a um, an energy auditor for MLI select um, buildings. Yeah. And, so and him can, and Paul, his, his partner, have started yeah, to build... Yeah, uh, yeah. Develop MLI select funded stuff. It's yeah, and they, fascinating. They, yeah, they are, doing. and they're doing like they're doing everything, like every, like literally everything that we talk about on the show. They're just really doing it more and more practically stuff like MLI. They're doing GPLP structures. They're taking on investors, um, and uh, absolute beauty. So we'll have to get him on the show. I, I don't. I can't remember if I. I think he said he was going to be able to do it in the new year. So um, look forward to that yeah. one because that's a really good example of what the prop tech companies are saying here, leveraging legacy data to help. Um, improve like and, and that that in that case it's real practicality because it's like allowing you to get to a higher leverage point and get better financing for uh, for your multifamily asset. Um, autonomous grid management, so hundreds of buildings being coordinated to not only balance um, power usage across cities, but also you're thinking about like you can the, how can you manage um, so many buildings in real time at one centralized point, right? So, what are real yeah. estate say, uh, leaders saying about um, decarbonization, Nick? Yeah, they're trying to align their strategies and scorecards with the net zero roadmap, focusing on reducing carbon and, and initiatives such as that. So advanced sensor technology is one of them, uh, managing buildings and gaining insight on the usage um, from everything from energy to occupancy. And I know occupancy was a uh, a big hit during uh, the COVID days when people were trying to figure out who's using the office, when, how often, et cetera. So that technology has come a long way in the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, this is a this is a no brainer. Sustainable materials, um, you know, using sustainable materials in new development and retrofits to limit carbon emissions. Uh, you know, even using stuff like low carbon concrete, a lot of mass timber. We're seeing a ton of that stuff in uh, in the West Coast. Um, and then platforms for measurement and tracking, right? So, um, you know, look at this from like a lead uh, certified um, building, right? Lead gold or, or just measurements as to how well your building is performing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if we move on to what VC investors are saying about the decarbonization space, no, no surprise here on this one because the government is certainly pushing for these. And I'm wondering which uh, uh, heat pump company the government might be investing in because that's the one I want to pick. But heat pumps <laughs> for energy efficiency. And I mean, they just they seem like they're so into these things. Right. So which I get, you know, it is obviously a big difference between when you're looking at where they where they're really pushing it, like the East Coast right now, where they're using oil as their primary source. But also like, um, I mean, you know, and a lot of, a lot of forced air gas heating across the country here in Canada, which is it's funny. I mean, heat pumps are tough, I think, for extremely cold climates um, like so the prairies, et cetera, like in minus 40. I don't know how well they're going to do. This is what I've heard. Um, but but also like and this carbon tax stuff is like I just got my first like winter elect- or heat bill for. Oh, yeah. Did I tell you about this? It's like uh, I paid like tell, 300 bucks. Tell everybody. For, yeah. I, I paid 300 bucks for $70 worth of gas. It was like. 70 bucks in, in gas. That was like, it showed you what it was. And then it was like $67 in carbon tax. And then it was like the remainder was all just like fees, it's like delivery to Enbridge, delivery to you, delivery to your mom. Cause we accidentally sent it to the wrong place. And then it went, we had to send it to you. I was like, what is going on right now? Like, Tip how your are, delivery guy. <laughs> I just like, and, and it's kind of, I hate to be like just dwelling on it, but like, I, I think Canadian households are stretched so thin. It's like, I think it's just like, when does it end? Right. Like I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I don't know. That like it just scares me when you think that people, most people are spending like record. We're literally spending record numbers on um, debt service right now, and then people are going to be getting these record heat heating bills. It's like, yeah, oh, man, it's and it's like 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 good. winter just started, right? Like I mean, it's like it's mid December right now. Like we've got a we've got some long, cold, dark months ahead. But I don't want to talk about that. I'm already no. Leave it to me. Yeah, sad. leave it to me to make a prop tech of it. Uh, um, <laughs> episode about about, about uh, oil just depressing <laughs> like economic stuff so okay yeah, yeah so let's keep the ball rolling here yeah offsite construction using robotics and and this is where you know a lot of people are talking we're going to do a whole episode on this by the way we have, we have acknowledged that this is coming in the news um the wartime housing plan that we're hearing about the this the mm. um the federal government and and bc coming out with this um upzoning as well and standardized um floor plan program as well like all of these governments are just competing on the policy side it's kind of cool. Yeah, so yeah, they're literally just racing to see. Yeah, well, uh, it's like literally, hey, we don't care about housing affordability. It's not a primary federal responsibility. And then boom, oh, never mind. Is the like reads checks the polls. Oh, it is the primary federal responsibility. So, which is good. It's good to see. So it's nice to see the government stepping up on this. Hopefully, hopefully it's not all in vain and it actually does something. Um, so offsite construction using robotics, a lot of mo- modular stuff, reducing timelines, reducing waste. Um, and then demand response in electric vehicles, which promotes uh, grid stability and better energy management. So now let's let's talk about the affordability, the S of the ESG. I think is where it, what what one of the PropTech founders talk, calls it in here. Yeah. So PropTech founders, when they're talking about affordability, um, they've pointed to new businesses that have emerged with different financing models, starting to attract institutional level investors. Uh, government funding and flexibility on legislation has also been a recent catalyst, as we were just saying, Dan. Um, so, you know, we start talking about things like co-ownership models, right? And, uh, you know, we've we've got Stephen from Addy or Daniel from Key, who we've uh, both friends of the show, both, both doing great things in the co-ownership space. And a lot of those co-ownership models have been spurred by commitments from Canadian Mortgage and Housing uh, Corporation, CMHC, to provide capital to prove out those business models. 
Uh, then we're also looking at alternative financing stuff, again, such as fractional ownership, which has been uh, a, a big emerging play for a lot of tech companies, or rent to own, which, you know, we still, I think we said we we're going to do an episode, full episode on that as well. A couple of experts we know in the space, uh, really fascinating stuff, rent to own, was really popular about 20 years ago, and it kind of died off uh, for the last two decades. Um, and then they're also looking at affordability in the modular and prefab units. So, you know, think those tiny homes or think uh, something that you can just add density to properties without really doing a ton of work. So a prefabbed laneway house or a prefabbed garden suite or something like that. Um, Dan, what are the real estate leaders saying about affordability? Yeah, so it goes on to say that real estate leaders are, that's where I found the S in the ESG thing, are motivated to also address this S within the ESG. So adding affordable units as part of new developments. And this is where you're really seeing, um, again, like the MLI select thing is like the government has really incentivized this with CMHC purpose-built rental financing. Um, we're seeing a lot of it. And uh, and adding affordable units is like, I mean, it's it's one of the ways, one of the key ways that you're able to get to that high score that it's a high score. I make mean, it sound like a game, although I guess it kind of is, right? Like it, it's point, gamified, right? It, it literally system, is yeah. a score, yeah, which I think was also a really cool way for them to do it. We When we did the MLS Select episode, we talked about the, the benefits of gamifying anything, right? It just makes people more involved. Yeah, so then um, increasing focus on purpose-built rental and asset class within portfolios. And, like, I, I've really felt this. Like, you're, you're seeing um, – a lot of purpose-built rental supply ramping up outside of Toronto, but it is really ramping up in a meaningful way. And I think a lot of that excess demand is going to be backfilled by purpose-built rental supply. I really, really do. And um, and you're starting to see big investors getting getting more and more into it. And the MLI Select program, I keep saying MLI Select, like I'm just I'm really pushing. But like that's the only that's the only credit program um, that is doing this at scale, right? Like because they're just cheaper. I guess they're below. They're well below market rates. You're getting long AMs. They basically turn it into a cash flow machine. You can only Tough do it if you're compete. like, I think it was like thir- uh, 10 to 30% cash flow positive, like because it's 1.1 to uh, 1.3 uh, DSR. So um, if you're 1.1 DSR, then you're 10%. Like if you're at one, then that means your NOI is paying your mortgage at a one to one ratio. So if you're at one 1.1, then you're 10% above. So you're 10% cash flow positive. You're at 1.3, you're 30% cash flow positive. And they underwrite the deals to, to fit that. So like, every, I mean, and and we don't have um, investors lining up to buy, um, to, to lose money on units anymore, right? And um, and so if with, in the absence of that, the only way that developers can keep these, these, um, these projects moving is putting them into the market for purpose-built rental supply. Um, so, and then the final one on that is inclusive communities promoting diverse social fabric and more affordable housing, right? So integrating that within existing concepts. Yeah. And then when we look at what the VCs are saying, they're saying uh, they want to see the demand to improve affordability. However, some have struggled with uh, more complex operating models. So affordability models can be challenging. Yeah, we're well aware uh, due to high capital requirements, operational complexity, government regulations, and just general housing dynamics in Canada, especially for your typical B2B business investment business and SaaS investors. So it's not as easy for the for the capitalists to to wrap their heads around this. Um, what is the impact 
and affordable housing focused funds, uh, as well as family offices. Um, a lot of them play a key role in, in financing for this. So Dan, that wraps it up for affordability. We've got two more to get through here. Um, I, 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 let's go. Yeah. So the, we're talking about AI, obviously Nick's you may, like you make great joke, great joke. I, I, <laughs> Thanks, respect, I have respect for that joke. So. Thank you. <laughs> um, so PropTech founder has been leveraging AI internally to help scalability and testing uh, within their existing products. So automating re- repetitive processes, um, using large language model services for data insights as well. Um, much of the real estate is, is information, right? Like this is where I'm going to get replaced by an AI, like my ability to analyze data. Not yet, but a couple of years. Who am um, I supposed to host just, the podcast with? Come on. Siri, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and it's just synthesizing information, right? It'll take longer for it to be adopted, but the, in, like, then that's what I'm saying, but the industry is really starting to, like as the industry starts to digitize their own data and it gets, input it into a large language model and and dude you and i know this because we've been doing this for an ai company right like we're literally yeah. training an ai how to be a real estate agent training an ai how to be a mortgage broker or whatever it is right and like who knows if it'll like and these guys are really bold and going uh, um towards that because it's like who knows if chat gpt will actually get there right it's like but let's give it as much information to like take your brain and put it into a into a large language model and then see if it can do output the same things that I can output or you can output, yeah. right? So, or, or, you know, ideally take a whole bunch of good people's brains and, and put them into it. And, you know, then we've got superhuman brain. Yeah, for sure. Um, data automation and validation. So, I mean, running instances way faster, right? Like, it, and and now they have, I think they have like a chat GPT or like, it's like, that may be the wrong combination of words, but like, it's like kind of like, um, I guess, GPT for um, like prompting for Power BI. So, it's funny actually because like I, I'm talking about prop tech, but like I and I and I've been involved in the in the startup of a of a cool data company that I'll have some exciting news on eventually in yes. the near in the near future. But um, and and they do some work in like Power BI, and now it has this functionality where you can actually type in like make me a chart that shows this, and I'm I'm just like looking at this, and it's like I can literally do my do what I do in like a minute it would take me a day to input you know what i mean like to make yeah. a perfect chart it's yeah. like wow i get I, I like that's where you start to see it right so what are the real estate leaders saying about ai yeah well i mean just like you and i and the uh the prop tech leaders they see potential for ai as well but uh maybe a little more hesitation there because many have not tested it to the extent that the founders or the venture capitalists have uh but they're looking at areas such as customize internal GPTs to protect proprietary data uh, while still leveraging insights and um, previously siloed information firm-wide, revamping BIM uh, as models are often not standardized, and uh, and then scenario analysis as well for developing planning, performance analysis, risk assessment, and more. So, um, you know, I think there's adoption there, but again, a lot of uh, real estate thought leaders, although geniuses, very smart people in our industry, may be a little more on the conservative side of things and maybe trying to be protecting their jobs a little more than the prop tech or, or VC types. Um, and finally, the VC is talking about combinations of AI with some of the top themes, machine learning um, for predictive modeling on building operations. It's surprising that it was building not just data and like market and like econ and micro analysis. Um, 
generative AI for architectural design and structural iterations, which is wild. Like I think when you have when you get like to the point where generative AI is designing buildings and it's like like I don't know, that's and then somebody builds it and it's like a computer does I don't know. That's a that's a crazy What one. do you mean somebody yeah. build it? It'll be it'll be robots building it. Yeah, like it. But, yeah, robot designs it and then builds it. I mean, it's crazy that this is where we are. We're like actually in the Jetsons TV show now. Um <laughs> natural language processing for document and and data automation. So um yeah, cool Lots of cool stuff going on here. Um, okay, so let's sure. let's wrap it up, Dan. We got one more section to cover, so let's finally look at what these three groups are saying about integration and consolidation. What so, Dan? What are the prop tech founders saying? Um, they're more open to collaboration, thinking about where other platforms can plug into their solutions. So, like API integrations, um, building other platforms, and and trying to connect with other platforms, especially on the data side. And actually, some of the guys that we mentioned on this sh- on this sh- episode and that we've worked with, like they do a lot of that stuff, like just creating data that plugs into other platforms. Um, strategic partnerships with other tech providers in the industry, data sharing, open data is a huge thing in the real estate space because it's been like, it's an industry that really is, um, it, it suffers as a result of um, information asymmetry, right? And data being closed. Um, and then, um, uh, consolidation as well. So, um, later stage prop tech companies acquiring smaller, smaller ones upstream and down and downstream in the value value chain. So a lot of like M and a activity. Yeah. Um, the real estate leaders have been focused on their foundational technologies. So they've expressed an interest in more holistic platforms and broader data sharing across their systems. You'll notice that's a reoccurring theme. So data infrastructure has been their top priority with company companies looking at data lakes and warehouses. And they've been also rethinking their operating models. And it's been critical to their success of certain tech implementations, including uh, restructuring their teams and reinventing their processes. So Dan, finish us off with what the VC, what the capitalists have to say about uh, about this. Uh, similar to the others, consolidation driven by macro uh, conditions and the maturing industry, and then um, increasing movement movement to op- open APIs and open data t- to deliver a better experience. So, um, I mean, this is an awesome report, right? Like we and we we love this group. We've been to a lot of their events. Um, I moderated a panel at one of their events. I went to their last event, um, and uh, we're friends with a lot of the a lot of the prop techs mentioned in this. Um, when we would encourage people to check all of the members of the prop tech collective out um and actually you know what like i'm curious to know if if folks listening to this show uh enjoy this kind of content and because like i really like prop tech it fascinates me and i think it is a great way for us to get an edge as an investor on the analytical side massively so but even on the like one of the biggest ways where you can create incremental value as an investor is through um operating better right and so you can do that with property management software which we have you know a, a partnership with a guy um who's doing some great work in that space um you know and we want to bring on more of these partnerships so if there's a prop tech that you know that uh you think would be a good fit for the show let us know because we want to help to f- figure out you know where can we kind of get these like opportunities for our, our audience to um access their technology um and and in the future maybe we'll do like a an episode on like I think we did one back a while back where it was listed like top whatever prop text to give you a competitive advantage or or whatever it was like that I think maybe we we're due for an update on that so yeah um yeah, similarly sure. send us a message to the show on that topic and just let us know what you we think about that and if there's anything we we missed here 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd echo that, Dan. I mean, you know, my, my closing remark would be this stuff provides a ton of value for anyone in real estate, a real estate investing, construction, design, mortgages, financing. You know, there's all there's f over 500 companies trying to disrupt all of the industries that we live and breathe in. Um, and, and it's kind of getting to the point where it's like adapt or die, right? I mean, uh, you know, when you think about real estate investing, you don't think about guys sitting on computers and typing away or you know busting out your phone and and doing whatever you think about you know redoing a basement or driving for dollars or all that kind of stuff but don't they don't have to be mutually exclusive you can integrate them right like this is how you differentiate yourself this is how you get a leg up especially in a volatile and changing market um so again go check this stuff out we'll link the uh report in the show notes and uh yeah hope everyone got a ton of value out of today's episode thanks so much for listening yeah make sure you check out uh the course um meetups we just did uh it was would have been yesterday first one's in um second week of december or sorry second week of january um we have them in i think red deer was just the most recent city added to it um and and sign up for the course because i think uh like just uh, just for the mailing list on the course because i think we're going to um maybe be releasing a little bit of a, a special Christmas offer. We're in discussions with it right now because we've been calling most of the people who have signed up for it so far. We've been calling a lot of people on it, just trying to get an idea for what people are looking for from us um, and what, and, and a lot of the more beginner folks um, find probably are a little intimidated by like what the, the full offering entails. And so we might be working on a, a bit more of a beginner one. Um, just trying to iron out some details on that. But so if that's you, and you've been intimidated by either the price or by it being maybe more for um, more experienced investors, um, we'd encourage you to put your email into our um, realist.ca um, lead capture form or whatever they're calling it in the, in the, uh, in the that right space, name. the tech space. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll send you that offer hopefully wait, within wait. the next couple of days. Dan, are we prop tech founders as well? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I, I guess if I once I disclose what the what, what the other stuff I'd been working on, when that deal's done, I suppose I would be an, a successfully exited prop tech founder. But wow, so, I might have to interview on the show. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. It'll be really cool because it's going to be a ex very exciting tool once it's um, available for the people that it's becoming available for. <laughs> I feel like such a such a prop techer when I'm like not not <laughs> being super private with my uh, speaking, but you know it is what it is. Um. But yeah, check, check out realist.ca, toss your email in there because we want to send you a cool, if, if we end up launching this offer for beginners, we want to send it to you if that's you. So um, thanks a lot, everyone. Appreciate you so much for making us the number one real estate podcast in Canada. Um, we're getting close to the end of the year here and um, just wanted to say thanks. It really means yeah. a lot. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Nick Hill and a successful PropTech exeter signing off. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.